is this? Ah, the French. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. Oh, I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. Good night, Mr. Wanton. Good night. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Recording from the top of the Ferris wheel at the Smogville World's Fair, it is Horld Champion Podcast. My name is Brighton. And I am Sean. We might have a first today. First? Yeah. It might be a first where I remember to say what the show is about. It is news and tales from the fringe. Heavy metal, forgotten pop culture, kids TV shows, mysteries. That's our program. All right. Forgive me. It might be a first. This may be the first time one of us has vomited on the air. I think uh, I have heat stroke. No, 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 no. We vomited, but we stopped and we spun. Remember? Oh, that's we right. We have to. Oh, yeah. We, we've already vomited. So it's not a first for vomiting. It's a first for for professional declarations of what the show's about. Oh, yeah. It's a first for that. And I guess it's a first for me calling my shot. Well, there you go. I'm going to vomit. You're going to vomit from the heat stroke. From heat stroke. I have a lot to say about heat. Okay. <laughs> Did you know that this week... In the United States of America, the entire country is under a heat dome. Heat dome? It's called a heat dome. What is that? The hot air cannot escape. It's got nowhere to go. There's nothing getting it anywhere. The entire country, record-breaking heat. Well, Many wait, wait. people are going to or have died. Shouldn't we find out who put this dome on? Isn't that kind of a national security, uh, security issue? I think we know. Oh, do we? Yeah, Dr. Dome. Dr. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Dr. Victor Van Dome did it. Yeah, that makes sense. It's made worse by the humidity, which is potentially caused by corn sweat. Corn sweat? Yeah. What is that now? It's what you think it is. Really? It's stalks there's, of corn. Um, there's that much corn? There's that much corn in the Midwest, and the moisture is contributing to the humidity when, in these extreme cases of heat. Moisture evaporating off corn? Yeah. Into the sky to, to help make the dome? And then getting trapped in the dome. In the dome. Yeah. Now, I'll make it clear I'm no meteorology scientist. And okay. I do know that uh, they say in live radio, the last thing you're supposed to talk about is weather. Yes. But I'm going to go all weather all the time all for right. this episode. In addition to our heat dome in our hometown of Salt Lake City, Utah, more and more waterways are being closed. You're not supposed to take your dogs near them. You're certainly not supposed to drink from them because of toxic algae. Right. That will uh, potentially damage your brain and liver. You as a human, even, not just dogs. Not just dogs, human beings. And if I want to damage my brain and liver, I've got some other ideas. Right. You, you want to get your money's worth. I'm going to get my money. Oh, hey, you. who ordered some schnapps? Um, so we got that going on, and that's because we have uh, uh, been irresponsible in our management of the Great Salt Lake that allowed this algae to bloom. Is that true? Yeah. Too much The Great Salt Lake's just going to dry up. Too much corn sweat. No, it's brine sweat. We need we need some corn sweat. We need maybe. some corn sweat to uh, to counteract the brine sweat. Okay. Now this all sets us up for this week's installment of Mysteries of the Mysterious. Yes, record breaking summer heat known. Okay. Are you familiar with the phrase "Winter is coming"? Winter is coming. Yes. Two hundred years ago, in eighteen sixteen, winter came. For the first time, is that a first? It was the year without a summer. Really? Also known as the poverty year, the summer that never was, the year there was no summer, and 1800 and froze to death. Oh, wow, that's a great name. <laughs> that's a really good one. The, uh, perhaps the worst uh, disaster in about 1300 years as far as cold temperatures. There was no summer. A persistent dry fog. I'll just go around the world and tell you all okay. about this. A persistent dry fog is observed in the eastern U.S. It reddened and dimmed the sunlight, okay. such that sunspots were visible to the naked eye. Neither wind nor rainfall dispersed the fog. 
It was a stratospheric sulfate aerosol veil. Uh, Here's something from a journal at the time in May of 1816. All was froze, and the hills were barren like winter. What caused this fog? Well, maybe that's our mystery. (laughs) Fog over all of New England. Every single day in May and June, freezing temperatures and frosts. In Uh, June? In June. Over in Wales, families traveled long distances as refugees begging for food. Famine throughout Ireland. Uh, The wheat, the oat, the potato harvest all failed. Uh, In Germany, food prices rose sharply. People demonstrated in front of markets. Riots, arson, looting all over Europe. The worst famine in years. In history. In China, dead trees, dead rice crops, dead water buffalo. Floods destroying many remaining crops. Overwhelming floods in the Yangtze Valley. Yangtze? Yeah, it's the Chinese Banksy. <laughs> yeah. He's, and then he was spray painting on the dead water buffalo. Mm-hmm. And he well, was saying, where's our rice? Right. He mainly, he, he does a lot of rice art. Like he's, he's very politically art. after. Well, you know, when, in kindergarten, you get a plate. You put some glue on it. You can glue on some pasta. You can do that with rice as well. What about those guys at the state fair that use uh, like a big magnifying glass and draw on the rice itself? Oh, yeah. And then you look through it and you're like, oh, my goodness, it's the New York City skyline on a grain of rice. It's pretty impressive. It really is. <laughs> There's a lot of impressive things at the state fair. At the World's Fair. I'm sorry. It's, it's right yeah, outside the our fair. fair. Yeah, we could go down there and, and examine it right now if, if we want. Cholera spread from the River Ganges as far as Moscow because the... Uh, delayed summer monsoon season caused torrential rains. And that caused what was in the then the, the uh, Then the Ganges flooded, and it aggravated the spread of cholera. Oh, cholera. Cholera. I'll remind you that Napoleon is in power at this time. It's sort of the tail end of the Napoleonic Wars. Okay. But you remember how he was isolated and then kind of returned and, and yeah. picked up his old followers? He was trapped. Wasn't he trapped up outside of Moscow for a while? Yeah, yeah, but then that, that was different. So he's defeated in Russia, the uh-huh. famous Russian winter thing. Mm-hmm. Then he was exiled to an island, and then he escaped and then came back and was like, hey, army, it's Napoleon, I'm mm-hmm. back. And then they're like, oh, yeah, well, where, you, where are we going to go? Wow, Napoleon. <laughs> yeah, that was a hell of a deal. Uh, Switzerland experienced the worst of violence since they were landlocked, of course, looting, uh, the government to create a national emergency. Abnormal rainfall flooded all the major rivers in Europe. Major typhus epidemic. Why, Eth- why would you have the most violence because you're landlocked? What's the correlation there? I guess there's, it was just even worse there. Oh, okay. And they're higher elevation, too, so it must have been real cold. And you know how grumpy you get when you're cold. Oh, yeah. It's very cold. Do you probably. get more grumpy when you're cold or hot? Because I'm pretty grumpy right now. I would say I think hot, actually. Yeah, but then maybe you're more lazy. I think everyone kind of want to lay around and go, oh, my. I kind of want to lay around when it's cold, too. <laughs> well, maybe we're bad examples. <laughs> you know what, what I want to do in like when the weather's perfect? What's that? I just lay around. Lay around. Yeah. That sounds nice. It does sound nice. Like right now, even, we could just kind of lay around and hang out and buy an air conditioner. Oh, yeah. Play that Aliens game. Yeah. Um, hundreds of thousands of deaths all over Europe. Um, so obviously that's awful. So for most of the world, winter just stayed. Winter year. just stayed. Yeah, winter came and then it didn't go away. It was the long night, just like in it the Game was, of Thrones. Man. Yeah. Was, yeah. It, was, was he inspired by that? Because I know so many things in Game of Thrones are from real... Historical battles, real historical, po- like, political yeah. takeovers. I would have to think that being so well-versed in history as George R. R. Martin is, I'd have to think that this figured into it. Seriously? In some way, yeah. And then he even sl- slips in inside jokes, names of football players, all kinds of real subtle inside jokes I've read about. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Yeah, like 1-1 one, one, the Giant is named after number 11 on the New yeah, York Giants. Yeah, on the Giant, like stuff like that. Yeah. So I know he has an attention to, obviously, reading it, he has an attention to detail. When you're I've finding never really out. noticed that. Because <laughs> here, let me read a passage of uh, Clash of Kings. Okay. The big knight showed up. He had clothes on. I'm hungry, he said. He ate some food. He had some gruel. 
Yeah. That's usually the, the, the long description. It's very blurry. Food. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like a photo that you're looking it's at without your glasses. Like, God, you think how short Game of Thrones would be if they if they did write it like that. I you, saw. I bet you would cut out half the book. I saw a chart where someone, someone somehow had like digital copies and did like Control F mm-hmm. to find certain phrases, such as boiled leather. Oh. Uh, words n- are wind. Nuncle. Words are wind. That must have been 50,000 times. Yeah, I think boiled leather was like 137 times. Really? Yeah. Boy, as, he as, as he wore boiled eat. leather over a green velvet. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I, I'd heard the, the bigger stories based on War of the Roses. Yeah. And for me, War of the Roses was a movie with Danny DeVito in it, right? Or was yeah, it Michael no, yeah, Danny DeVito Michael... Ins- yeah, Danny DeVito inspired Tyrion Lannister. Oh. Uh, Kathleen Turner was Cersei and Michael Douglas was uh, Jamie. No, it is. It's those three. Okay. See? And that, to me, that's what War of the Roses meant until just recently. War of the Roses, um, where I thought, why would he base Game of Thrones off this great movie from the, from the late eighties? Yeah. War of the Roses was a very sexual movie from what I understand. And we were on a road trip and I got the latest Mad Magazine. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I enjoyed a Mad Magazine as a kid. Oh, tell me. We should do an episode just about Mad Magazine. (laughs) Yeah, Definitely. But the parody of War of the Roses was also very sexual. And then, I had uh, it. And then I didn't get to buy Mad Magazine for a few more years. Oh, luckily they... Got my parents, banned in my household after that. My parents never looked at Mad Magazine ever. They thought, like, oh, that's a kid's comic. Yeah. But that's how I had a glimpse into a lot of adult stuff, too. I had that issue with... with uh, I think... I, I must have. I, I went through about five solid years without, without missing an issue yeah. of my childhood. Was it Mad or Cracked that had the the scratch and sniff cover with George Bush vomiting? <laughs> that sounds like Mad. I had one that was that was a lemon with Alfred E. Newman stamped on it, and you could scratch it, and it smelled like lemons. Oh, that's cute. So I know well, they, I know they a, have the technology. It had a big thing that said scratch and sniff cover, and then tiny print that said, "Out of respect for our commander in chief, we have decided not to make this a." <laughs> Scratch and sniff cover. So this is when he vomited. When he threw up on the uh, Japanese prime minister. Yeah, that's f- that's famously documented in Naked Gun. <laughs> yeah. So Naked Gun one or two. I don't think it's one. I think it's two. Maybe even thirty-three and a third. Where, yeah. I think I think that's I think that's it's a Naked Gun. I know at least he pees at one part and he's still mic'd up. Yeah, that's the first one. Is it? Yeah. Okay, so that's two separate scenes. <laughs> All yeah. right. Uh, let's revisit those while we're at and it. Let's talk about Naked Gun. So some of the long-term effects, uh, what we know as America's heartland, the Midwest. Uh, at the time, that was just the uh, Northwest Territory, but everyone fled New England to go further inland where conditions were a little better, more hospitable climate, richer soil. Um, you're familiar with uh, Turner, the painter? Oh, yeah, of course. You know how his pieces are all kind of orange and mm-hmm. yellow that's because of this because of that weird fog no way yeah how long did did it last why or he just was really impacted by that yeah because i think everyone remembered it because it was so weird and no one at the time really knew what caused this you're telling me a turner is how this guy actually looked i thought he was being crazy creative you know high levels of tephra in the atmosphere led to unusually spectacular sunsets wow celebrated in the paintings of jmw turner that is fascinating yeah what is tephra it's uh material some sort of material ask dr dome yeah dr dome knows he's got a big shipment of of tetra that just got stolen here's a couple that are going to blow your mind okay let's see i'm going to go in in uh kind of a different order so the uh, June 1816, the height of this, the incessant rainfall, that's a quote, during the wet, ungenial summer, forced Mary Shelley, John William Polidori, and their friends to stay indoors at their villa overlooking Lake Geneva. Mm-hmm. They're stuck indoors. Of course, they have no television and no internet. So they decide to have a contest to write scary stories. Oh, no. I think I know where this is going. Leading Shelley to write Frankenstein. Wow. And Lord Byron to write a fragment, which was later which later inspired The Vampire, which later inspired Dracula. Oh, no. Wow. Vermont experienced a decrease in population of between 10,000 and 15,000, erasing their population growth. Among those who left Vermont were a family named Smith who moved from Vermont 
to Palmyra, New York. Oh, wow. <laughs> that man was Joseph Smith, and then in Palmyra, he published the mm-hmm. Book of Mormon. Right. I will say that in a very noncommittal way. That is incredible. To yeah. Think, you think of, of things that really change the course of history. The writing of Frankenstein. Yeah. The writing of Dracula, kind of. Yeah. And then the starting of a, a pretty major religion. Yeah. Now, if you believe in the Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. you believe that Joseph Smith found it in Palmyra, New York. Right. So whatever this thing was, that's what caused him to move to the location where he would find and then restore the true gospel. Wow. So that's pretty amazing. And I think they should be teaching that in church schools. I might write a letter and say, dear church people, <laughs> I am not a member, but I have a good idea. That's, that's that, the, the type of thinking, though, where you can kind of explain everything that way. Well, yeah, I, everything, I guess it is really a butterfly effect. Everything that's ever happened in history, you can do that, too. Oh, totally, yeah. Everything that's happened it's still in your, fun. Like, do it on a micro level, anything that's happened in your own life. And we, we talked a few weeks ago about how the singer of Def Leppard became a rock star because he missed the bus. Yeah. And then met the band, and then, you know, fast forward, he's a millionaire. It's the same sort of thing. How many, how many incredible misses with fame and fortune have we had? Yeah. Because of just bad luck. Oh, it's just like you being the limo driver. Right. Wait, were you, the, you were the limo driver, No, right? I, I, I rear-ended. You rear-ended a limo. Mm-hmm. James Brown's limo, I think? It was, I think it was B.B. King. Oh, yeah, it was B.B. King's limo. Because <laughs> I was singing the blues, and it kind of we inspired each other. Because I was so upset about my car, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, uh, okay, so what do you think caused this? Well, I wish you wouldn't have spoiled it by telling me Dr. Dome was around. Well, that's just one theory, that it was Dr. Dome. Okay. Dr. Victor Van Dome. Yeah, that's that right there. That sounds pretty feasible when you said that there was something called Tetra that no one knows what it is. Yeah. That sounds exactly like something Dr. Dome would steal from, from some secret military base of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, well, okay, so <clears throat> this weird red, what was it? Was it everywhere? Were they having weird sunsets in Ireland and, and yeah, England? Yeah, it, it was Western Europe um, and the uh, northeastern United States. But this is 1816, so at the time, the northeastern United States is kind of all there is. And then Midwest and the West is, is more sparsely populated still by the Native Americans and maybe Spanish and stuff. Well, my, the fir- my first thought is back then they didn't know how, how anything worked. Yeah. Around this around this time there was a president that got sick and they threw snakes on him and li- and like leeches. Yeah, like because like... because he had pneumonia. <laughs> right. So people didn't know anything. So you think about nowadays all the all the factories, the stuff that are you know, things that are being burned, chemicals, waste, you know. What what do you think was going on in factories back then when they literally didn't know what anything was? Yeah. Where they were just Handling mercury, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. putting it in their coffee when they first got it. You're definitely on the right track. So I'm, I'm thinking of some huge industrial thing. Okay, you're definitely on the right track. This is pre-industrial revolution, though. So this is, but you're, but you're, you're pretty much. Well, there. My first thought was a lot of trains burning something weird. <laughs> now think of okay, think if that's happening, but without the trains. Okay. Without uh, smokestacks, without man-made smokestacks per se. Hmm. People are just burning it at home? People are burning no, logs? No, it's a, no we're think, let's think more natural. More natural? Yeah, natural, unpreventable. Uh, I don't know, volcanoes? Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> the 1815 eruption of Mount Tambora. Okay. <laughs> in the Dutch East Indies. The largest eruption in 1300 years. Messed up the so that entire was ash, planet, basically. In the in basically the ash and sulfur and volcanic uh, refuse. Did people probably know? heavy metals? Oh, I'm sure. did people know what the, what it was though? Was there volcano experts at the time? Is this before we discovered a volcano? I'm sure the people close by knew there was a volcano, right? But I believe it's fairly modern that they determined that this is what caused it all. Oh, so so this was just weird as hell, and I'm sure they all immediately thought. It was from, at least in the U.S., from, some, from doing sin of some sort. Probably that, like yeah. That's the first thought is, I, it's finally cutting up with me, all my gambling. Boy, yeah. How could all they my not cigar smoking. All my gambling. Yeah, so, 
bad omens everywhere. Um, so this one isn't exactly a, our typical mystery of the mysterious. And the reason I, I feel like it deserves to be in the category mm-hmm. is I found a single post mm-hmm. on the internet. Now, where this volcano exploded, Dutch East Indies, at the time, uh, that belonged to Napoleon. Okay. Now, I'm no expert in the Napoleonic Wars, but he, because of his conquering, uh-huh. and this was right about the time Napoleon came back. So probably. The, uh, the volcano theory was uh, ascribed in this post to quackademics. <laughs> And, and the theory was that Napoleon, in fact, detonated a super weapon. In a volcano? Or just that was the super weapon? May, I, that might have been the super weapon, or they just are, were, were quackademics who were blaming a volcano. And that's a lot more plausible, I think, than a volcano. Well, a naturally occurring thing that has happened many times before. Well, what's the biggest weapon at the time? A cannonball? Uh, probably ball? like a long gun. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Like a cannonball. Probably I a cannonball is probably our... our Weapon of mass destruction. So when Napoleon came back into power, he the first thing he did is get all the minds together and, and said, we have got to make a bigger cannonball. Just a bigger cannonball. I want the biggest cannonball ever. Yeah. And so, they, that, so that's the technology right there. I, I'm curious what the super weapon would be made of exactly. Because combustion-wise, what did we have? We had oil. We had yeah, like, unrefined like, oil. Yeah, like, like lamp oil. Like lamp oil and stuff. We had... Did, we didn't have gaso- dynamite yet. There was no gasoline. No gasoline, no dynamite. Um, this is pre-dynamite? Yeah, I mean, there, there must have been bombs of some kind. What did Guy Fox have? What kind of bombs did he have? Gunpowder? Just, just lots have, of gunpowder. Yeah, it must have been... Back, back then, to make a bomb, all you needed... Like, you, th- you hear all these things about... Uh, with terror bombings and stuff. They have to find the bomb makers. Yeah. And these are these highly sophisticated guys that just... They usually have a scar on their face or a missing an ear in a movie. Yeah. Because they're, but they, but they're doing the most sophisticated stuff you can imagine with explosives. Yeah, and then using colored wires. Colored wires, mainly red and blue and green wires. That's, that's yeah. the main thing inside a bomb. And then putting a digital clock on it. But this is just really complicating things unnecessarily. Back no. then, you just got a barrel of gunpowder, and then you put a fuse in the top. Yeah. That was long, kind of, you know, like 30, 40 feet. And then you lit it and then realized that you didn't want it to be on fire. Then you had to fist fight somebody or something. Right, and keep trying to reach and... and yeah, go. you keep trying to, like, turn off the... But luckily, the fuse is 40 feet long, so you've got time. Time to try to kick sand on it, step mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, yeah. Grab it with your hand and then go, ow! Yeah. Blow it out. So, I'm not sure why... why bomb making got so unnecessarily complicated. Yeah, so it, it is actually really plausible now that Napoleon did that. Just bigger... The biggest barrel, the longest fuse. All right, I'm starting to get the most gunpowder. I'm starting to get a, a mental picture, actually. Yeah, you're thinking, what's the biggest thing you can put gunpowder into? What What's nature's giant barrel? That's that's a volcano. It is, yeah. So or maybe, or even just a mountain that's got a little divot in it. So he could have been for months just pile. It's like the excavation scenes in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just yeah. people taking. Barrel load after barrel load of gunpowder, pouring it in the volcano. Oh, sort of an assembly line thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, or like they a scene Lord of the Rings. There. Yeah. Tip uh, it over, go back, fill it up. Just this endless line of people. Mm-hmm. I'm picturing kind of the underneath uh, Saruman's tower. That's exactly like it. Like that's mm-hmm. the, with all the Urukai doing this and that. Like I'm picturing that, except just gunpowder, except French soldiers, <laughs> Frenchmen, French, French people from around the towns. That goes off, and it's, and it's all of the gunpowder in France. That's a lot of gunpowder. Yeah, I mean, at the time, they were the greatest military superpower. So, right. of course, they're going to have the most gunpowder. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're out in Indonesia, which is sort of by China. And didn't China invent mm-hmm. gunpowder? I yep. don't know. Well, as you said earlier, you're no expert on the Napoleonic Wars. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm b- barely a dabbler. I mean, I know a lot of our listeners right now are getting so frustrated. I know they're sitting just pull, there. They're, yeah. they're just sticking their hand in their pocket, gnashing their, shirt their pocket, teeth, throwing their their history of France book against the wall. Yeah, they're getting up on their white horse and just reeling backwards, sword yeah. in the in, air, in outrage, in outrage. Mm-hmm. Sacre sense. bleu! So that's that's my guess. Is is it? It is a super weapon. Yeah, you've just got to. 
talk it out until you figure out what exactly are the components of the super weapon. Looks like, yeah, I mean, that's about it. It looks like that, that specific eruption right there at the source mm -hmm. killed about 60,000 people. Not to, and then all the effects after the fact the next year. What so. were the 60,000? That, that's from freezing? What, those, what? those are the people like on the island that were killed in the volcano. 60,000 people? Yeah. Wow. So that sucks. <laughs> that's why Napoleon, man, he's, he's our generation's uh, Victor Von Dome. Yep. Or the old gen. I guess he's not really our generation. So. I wouldn't consider Napoleon my generation. I'm, I'm between a millennial and... The greatest generation. Well, I'm no, you know, no. Wait, what is what's after? I think you're Gen X. I am Gen X, but but what's before Gen X? It's not. I think the it's baby still, boomers. Still the boomers, yeah. And then the one before that's the greatest generation. I think so. Well, the, I guess none of those are Napoleon's generation now. That well, I, I really I'm. <laughs> I consider myself about. an old soul. An old soul. <laughs> I was born in the wrong generation. Music in 1816 was so much better than music today. Oh, yeah, it totally was. Back in my day, if we wanted to catch a pocket monster, we just had to go into an unmapped area of the world. <laughs> and wander around and a little bit until yeah. there was like a loud Like noise. an armadillo. <laughs> yeah. Find an armadillo, a buffalo. Yeah, the music starts playing. And then you have to take turns on who attacks first yeah. or if you're going to even attack. Sometimes I would even retreat. And that just is when you turn around and run in place mm -hmm. and then stop because you can't retreat. Yeah. It just happens sometimes. It just happens. You know, do you think that's why uh, the buffalo were wiped out? It was the same mentality. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. people never change. Yeah. They, they got to catch them all. Yeah, You've that, seen those pictures with the big piles of buffalo skulls. That's the original Pokemon or those, all those buffalo. Yeah, I'm going to make that meme and see if it goes viral. It's so stupid. It has to. It has, has to, to go, go viral. It's, I'm for sure. If I get it around, it'll come back on Facebook. Do you think so? And so we'll be like, yeah, those were real men. They didn't walk around throwing a ball at a chimp. All right. I, th I, I think this is a good project. Yeah. You got to do an anti-Pokemon Go meme that, that is such a stretch that you can barely connect the two. Yeah. And see if people still are like, oh, something to be outraged about. Yeah, if there's I'm a tinge in. of outrage to it. Yeah, I'm in. The whole internet's in. Like, and it's kind of misplaced outrage because somehow it's misplaced against Pokemon Go when we should be outraged about the buffalo slaughtering. Yeah, it's more like I'm annoyed people are walking around looking at their phones. Yeah. Hasn't, like, the we're comparing it to this horrible thing that happened in the past, but what we're really upset about is having to wait an extra minute because someone in front of you has got the Pokemon Go going. Yeah. So, do, so yeah, so haven't, what, what's the image going to be then? It's going to be that big pile of buffalo skulls. And Have you seen gonna, that? And it's going to say what exactly? Um, because hmm. we got to post this now. We have to. We have to make this. Yeah, it's gonna say, "Pokemon Go." Why do you think the buffalo are gone? That's good. <laughs> okay, let's do that. <laughs> and then write a little thing that's, that that explains it a little bit. Yeah, in a font that's a little too small and a little too hard to read. Yeah, kind of a tiny little font explaining it. That oh, back in the day, men used to. Wait, are we? Are we saying that people doing Pokemon Go aren't real men? I think we're going to cover a lot of ground on this. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't want to take one side on any issue. It's got to, okay, we've got to be upset about a lot of issues. So we're upset issues. about the buffalo slaughter, which we are upset about. We're upset that men aren't men these days. We're everyone's upset that men aren't wussy. men these days. And everyone's, we're upset that people aren't in nature. And if they are, they're looking at a tiny screen. Right, okay, so that's three things to be out. That's like, God, that's a triple trifecta of outrage. Yeah. People are going to eat this up. Yeah. Boy, what else can we work in there? I don't know. We'll deal with that offline, but yeah. But this is good. All, all I ever wanted was to go viral for something I don't care about. <laughs> this this might be it. I just want to. I don't want to go viral. I want to go viral for the hard work over the me past many many years we put into the podcast. No, no, no. Let's go viral over a ridiculous political thing we we don't actually care about at all. Yeah, not even politics. I don't know what even, don't what, even how what you it describe is. outrage a, culture, a social thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's being upset over a video game. If you just break it down and think about the, what the, you're actually upset about. Yeah, you're being upset over a video game that no one's going to remember in a month. Yeah. And that you don't have to play. And that doesn't actually affect you. No, not at all. Well, it might if you're like trying to walk down the street and someone in front of you just stops and then you have to sidestep to the right. People like do that's that. a minor inconvenience People do that that's anyway. going to irritate you. People do that anyway. 
If there's people, one thing we can't stand as a society, it's any minor inconvenience. Even even milliseconds. Yeah. I'm I'm upset. Think about I don't know if you're like this. You're at a red light, someone in front of you is sitting there, it turns green. It's been more than one second I honk. Oh yeah. I honk politely just to be like, hey, check it I out. I do too. Because I'm assuming they also want to go. Pokemon Go? Is that what you're saying? They want to do they They're sitting there doing their Pokemon Go. Yeah. When, their... when they should Pokemon go to the polls. Yeah. Pokemon <laughs> Go home. Get out of my way. <laughs> what was the one you said the other day that was pretty good? Pokemon go to the polls? That's not what wasn't um, Well, that, unfortunately, that's not an original Brighton composition. Because I don't really care if people go to the polls. Yeah, neither do I. Pokemon go to hell. I'm surprised I haven't seen that. Maybe that one's even too trite for the meme creators of the world. What do you think most people that are upset about Pokemon Go are upset about? Um, if we're really going to... Is it just to be contrary? If we're going to do some armchair psychology, it's to be contrary and it's to be upset about something that looks fun that you're missing out on. Yeah, but you because can play not, it for free, right? But you're just not capable of experiencing that kind of... This is really deep subconscious stuff. Oh, okay. Is look at all those people having fun. I might have fun if I try it, but... I don't want to because I'm contrary, but mm. now I'm missing fun. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. The other day on uh, ESPN Radio, first of all, they had a commercial that I feel like was mocking me. Personally. Cause, personally, because the commercial said, you can quit listening to your 90s ska playlist and instead listen to the best sports analysis around. And I was wow. like, well, fuck you too, ESPN. That, that is very specific. Very specific. And I almost like looked behind my radio to see if, there was, if this is the new thing. You know how on your, on your Facebook, if you go to Amazon.com and look up a stuffed toy fox or something, right. then you go back to Facebook and it's like, hey, remember that thing you want to buy? Yeah, yeah, the internet is really creepy. So maybe that, that's transcended into radio technology now. I think it's listening to me. I think my computer is somehow recording me and looking stuff up on Google. Yeah, probably. Uh, there's been some eerie stuff up here. I've had conversations, and, th- and then the next day had a, an ad targeted towards me about things I had talked about, not actually Googled. You yeah. think that's a Pokemon Go thing? It's a brave uh, is, new world. Is the point I'm making. Do you think that's a goddamn Pokemon Go? I was hosting one of my quizzes and played the Pokemon Gotta Catch Em All track to get people pumped up. Because this was, like, days after it broke. You know, it's all mm-hmm. everyone's talking about. Right. It's like, this would be a fun little way to pump people up. Some guy comes up to me, and he's like, you know, that app is accessing uh, all of your Google information. And then he, like, mic dropped and walked away. That's and I true. was like, well, show me the app that isn't. I know. Isn't that the, what, the point of apps? Yeah. I listened to a, a, a 60 minutes segment, uh, about, speaking of old people. About Angry Birds specifically, oh, and yeah. how that's how it got so huge was it was the one of the first apps that basically sold all your information to other companies. Yeah. So it's so anyone who's ever installed Angry Birds, that's how they made their their fortune. How on earth did sixty minutes explain Angry Birds to their audience? Oh man, that there is there is a certain joy. I get more joy out of the people on 60 Minutes trying to explain technology to elderly people than the actual stories themselves. God, the one on Bitcoin when they're trying to explain what a Bitcoin was. I barely understand I don't, what, yeah. what a Bitcoin is. And then we've talked about it. It's, the, it's like when you hit a question mark square and a coin pops out and then disappears. Yeah. It's because it's gone online. That's a Bitcoin, you know. But it's, yeah. And even, even basic websites and apps and stuff, like, they, they talk about, they can barely get the idea of a telephone, what that is. Yeah. It's barely sunk <laughs> in. <laughs> well, this ESP, yes, on, along those lines, this, uh, this was like late Saturday night, the dregs mm. of, ra- in the middle of the time of the year where there's no sports happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's even like the MLB All-Star break. Yeah, so there's literally the break. nothing to talk about. Mm-hmm. So they were saying, um, well, what do you think? Should ESPN cover Pokemon Go? And it was two ESPN sports hosts who have never played Pokemon Go and don't know how it works. They just know that it's popular, and so why not let's They're talk about it. They're in charge? That's awesome. That <laughs> sounds great. Two guys that have never played Pokemon Go or are not familiar with it are going to talk about it. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Because that, that's how sports radio works. It's just like we got to fill up hours and hours each day, essentially going, well, uh, who do you think is going to win? 
well, here's who I think is going to win. And then just have just ramble on. Well, I think uh, the Broncos are going to win because they're a lot better. <laughs> but <laughs> Peyton Manning hasn't been very good lately, but he's got heart. Don't sports guys make really bold predictions, though? Aren't they... Aren't they really loud? Like, I don't listen to as much as you do. But isn't there guys that are just like, I guarantee that come December, I'm glad you, I'm this glad person you asked. Is, is not going to make it. I'm glad you asked because uh-huh. uh, this is a rant I've had privately for a long time. Okay. It's the sports hosts who make bold, loud predictions. No accountability. About really obvious things. Oh, okay. Oh, that's even better. I mean, I'm just saying, call in if you disagree. For my money... LeBron James, best player in the NBA. <laughs> That's 888-555-ESPN. Who do you think is better? I'm just saying. Yeah, it's a, I'm saying, I'm calling it. That's a very common thing. You'd He's say. one of the top five players in the NBA today. <laughs> if you're starting a team from scratch and you can pick any player, I'm going to pick LeBron. Wow. Is that, is, We're on Twitter at, uh, yeah. yes, at the Mad Monkey Mania Show. Have you, uh, have you heard that exact thing? Yes. Have you heard that exact because, thing because if you all ta- the time. If you talk to somebody, let's say you, you just stop someone on the street and you said, do you like basketball? And they said, no. And you said, do you, have you ever watched it? Yeah, here and there at the bar. I saw it in the background. And then say, who is the best basketball player? If you, if you ask someone who had never watch yeah. basketball, they're going to probably say LeBron James. They're going to say LeBron James, yeah. yeah. First they'll go, is Michael Jordan still playing? Yeah. No? LeBron James. Exactly. So that's, that's I love that. What are, are there others that are, what's another example of There's of so that? many, and if I, if I went through uh, my text messages with my brother, mm. we'd have a bunch. You're just both outraged. Yeah, because every time we hear it, we, we do that, and it's just like, you know, if, if, if you ask me, Kevin Durant doesn't re-sign with the Thunder? Thunder, 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 thunder! I'm calling it now. I'm calling it now. <laughs> I thought of that. If the Oklahoma City Thunder lose one of the best five players currently in the NBA, <laughs> they're not going to be as good. I'm calling it. Wow, that's and like so smug, and you can just picture their face of being like, "Yeah, what are you gonna do?" I'm outrageous. Yeah, like he, I, that's just me, man. That's yeah. just me being me. Yeah. Hey, I, I, you, you listen to my show for the opinions. I thought a big thing in sports was sports talk radio or just sports commentators in general, was making bold predictions that, that, they, they, that there's no accountability Right, because no one kind. remembers. It's no a, one it's, ever even says anything. It's such an ephemeral thing. No one's writing it down. Yeah, but it just seems interesting that you could make some bold thing and say, LeBron James is going to be humiliated in the playoffs. Yeah. And then it's, it's recorded. Yeah. You know, September 21st, you said that of last year. Now they've won. And yeah. in the meantime, you've, you've gone completely the opposite direction, but no one could call you out on it. Yeah. It's kind of like being a politician, being a, a sports commentator. Yeah. It's interesting. It's not like we don't, we can't relate to that because our listeners hang on our every word. Mm-hmm. We can't get away with that stuff. That's true. And, but we also back our, our stuff up with, with facts. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Mark my words. Mark my words. This heat dome mm-hmm. that's over the U.S. is going to be miserable. I'm telling you right now, I have never exaggerated on the show. I guarantee it. You can take that to the bank. I'm just saying. If you take that to the bank, they're going to cash that check. There you go. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. You've mastered it. This is the sports thing I hate, too, while we're on this subject. Is they always bring up the phrase, drinking the Kool-Aid. As in, hey, do you think LeBron James is going to win the champion? I don't know. I'm not really ready to drink the Kool-Aid on that one yet. Is this all in reference to Jonestown Massacre? Yes. So somehow this event where, what, hundreds, thousands? Yeah, no, it was hundreds. Where hundreds of people committed suicide from poisoned Kool-Aid has translated itself into, do, do you support this sports team or not? Well, it's and more it's than that, every though. single day. Isn't it more like you're buying this BS? I guess. Because it's, it's more I than just I don't ever agreeing. hear it outside of sports, either. I know. I don't think I've heard it in a long time. So drinking like, the Kool Aid. Yeah. Oh, the na- the national press is saying that the Jazz are going to make the playoffs this year. I'm not quite ready to drink that Kool Aid. I got to see what they do against the the Warriors. It's weird that that's become a figure of speech after this horrific yeah massacre. Or, yeah. Or I don't know if you'd call it a massacre, mass suicide, whatever that's called. Yeah. Induced mass. It's oh, there's a whole that's got its own category. Yeah. Wow. I've never thought of how 
how dark that really is yeah. say, saying that because they do they say flippantly like like you said uh, oh you think you think he's gonna get the batting title I'm not quite drinking the Kool Aid exactly yeah, on this fun exactly summer it. game by referencing this mass suicide of death yeah so anyway that segment they they broached the hypothetical should ESPN cover Pokemon Go and then the callers who were all oh god. I wish I could have heard... Outraged. Heard, yeah, I wish I could have heard this. Outraged that some random host brought up a hypothetical. You're like, what if I am done? I am done! I know that... Pokemon Go! And, and if you've played the game, there's not really any way that you're going to cover it on television at all. Well, I don't know. <laughs> because not that kind of because thing. Because sports, some sports, there's not really that much you can talk about either. And they still will talk for eight hours about one... 90-minute game. You know? Oh, yeah. No, join us for the pregame show six hours before kickoff. And you want to say, like, why, why did this team w- win? Because they played better than the other team, basically. Yeah. Unless something crazy happened. Unless yeah. one of the players got struck by lightning. Yeah. There's not really anything you can say or about if, it. Or if a heroic quarterback just totally blew it. I'm talking Peyton Manning a couple <laughs> years ago in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that was sad. Yeah. But aside from that... And I'm saying this as a huge sports fan, just mm. but just the coverage is, is outrageous. Well, I, I know they've been struggling about this because they're, they're, we're in this weird world where there's so much, with the younger generations coming up, there's so much video games yeah. that the sports stations are, are, are just kind of going back and forth, like t- testing the water. Like, should, we, should we air this, yeah. this Halo, you know, fest? All yeah. these people playing a video game or not? And I know they've started to show a, a few things on ESPN, right? Yeah, well, and they do the spelling bee. They do magic cards. They do magic on ESPN. Yeah, now. very. Uh, they've been doing that for years. It's not. Uh, it's not like a regular feature, but right. they do the big magic tournaments. Oh, cool! They cover wrestling news on Sports Center now too. I know when it's they... actual news, like if someone gets hurt or Roman Reigns getting suspended or whatever. right. That's. So I know that. Well, I know that. Uh, that John Cena hosted the ESPN like Spirit Awards or something. Oh, the SBs, yeah. Ju- just a couple days ago. Yeah. So they're really trying to get some synergy going of some kind. Yeah. Well, um, enough about sports radio. Right. Let's talk about a different format of radio. What, what, a more musical format more of radio. Musical one that's just like sports talk radio. It's blowing your speakers, coming right out. Instead of blow hard your speakers. That's right. It's blowing your speakers. Maybe blow hard your speakers will be a new segment where I complain about sports radio. Okay. No one wants to hear that, but I do. Blow your speakers is the segment where I am attempting to become a heavy metal snob, one heavy metal album at a time. And this week, I'm, I'm going back to the roots. I'm getting, I'm getting real old school. So this week, I decided to listen to Black Sabbath. And a lot of people are going to argue, and not be argued against, really, that Black Sabbath pretty much started heavy metal. I don't know if I'm ready to drink that Kool-Aid. I'm, I'm going to make a prediction right <laughs> here. Black Sabbath were hugely influential to heavy metal. Call me up. Write us in. Write in and at World Champion Podcast if you disagree with me. Black Sabbath, influential to a lot of metal artists nowadays. <laughs> All right, so I, I listened to Black Sabbath, Master of Reality. This was released July 21st, 1971. And this, is, this album is widely regarded as the foundation of doom metal, stoner metal, and sludge metal. Is this before Paranoid? This is their fourth album, I think. I don't... I think it's after. Okay. 71. God, they really... Looking into Black Sabbath's discography is mind-blowing. It's like the Beatles, where they're releasing one or two albums a year for the first you know, six or eight years they're a band. It's incredible. Oh, wow. But, Their first show was August 30th, 1969. Their first album was February 1970. And then their second... And then, like you said, yeah. It's like six months later is their second album. I have their first album. It's really good. This album, also really good. <laughs> yeah. One thing, I've, one thing that's really cool about doing this, this segment on metal is exploring this is I have one of my littlest fears is that there's a band out there that I, is my favorite band, and because I don't explore music enough, I will never find out about my favorite band. 
Oh, wow. I think that qualifies as a little fear. That's a little fear. Yeah, that's like people looking for their soulmate. Right. Yeah. So if you stop looking for your soulmate... You know, I, I guess with a soulmate, you, they'll find you, right? If it's meant to be or whatever. But your favorite band, you could go your whole life and never hear that band. And it's not, it's not fate's fault. It's nobody's fault but your own. Wow. Thanks for adding to my neuroses. Yeah. There's another thing to, to stress about. Yeah. And so, and so the cool thing about doing these weekly album reviews is I've been able to discover a lot of really cool things. One thing is I had no idea how goddamn amazing Black Sabbath <laughs> is. Like, I knew I'd heard them, but th- these, this is one of those bands where it's, it's kind of unreal. Let's, let's talk about this album a little bit. Master of Reality, like I said, is attributed to the beginning of stoner metal and doom metal because it's slowed down, it's tuned lower to have a heavier sound, and then it's a lot, a lot of the music's about weed. Tony Iommi, the guitarist. He down-tuned his, his guitar three semitones to produce what he referred to as a bigger, heavier sound. This also reduced string tension, thus making the guitar less painful for him to play, because I only had two fingers partially severed in a factory accident years earlier. Yeah, that's wild. I know, that is, that is pretty wild. I think he had special thimbles made. Mm-hmm. And Geezer Butler also down-tuned his bass guitar to match Iomi. But then it got to the point where they, they just turn, tuned even lower to make it easier vocal-wise. But Osborne, being, being Ozzy Osborne, then just sang higher, so it defeated the whole purpose, is what they said. So what they did is accidentally make a doom metal album, yeah. where they tuned it down to make it more comfortable f- for Tony, tuned it down some more to make it easier for Ozzy to sing, and then I, Ozzy went higher yeah. in, when they actually recorded the singing, which, is not, which defeated the entire purpose. But produced a pretty amazing. But then that created that created this cool sound. Yeah, yeah, cool sound. Ozzy states that he cannot remember much of the recording of Master of Reality. Quote: Apart from the fact that Tony detuned his guitar to make it easier to play, Geezer wrote Sweet Leaf about all the dope we'd been smoking, and Children of the Grave was the most kick-ass song we'd ever recorded. Is that true? It's pretty kick-ass. <laughs> all right. That gets to the next thing I want to talk about is is these riffs sound... You know how you hear a Rolling Stone song and Keith Richard has some guitar lick and it just sounds like it's always existed. Like it's a, it's like it's a riff that was just f- finally presented to you, but it's always from the beginning of time there's been that riff. That's how tons of Black Sabbath songs are. I, I'd never listened to this album and some of the songs, the first time I heard them, Sounded like the, t- the thousandth time I'd heard him. Oh, okay. Wow. It was a really cool thing. And then the yeah. song that, that Ozzy's talking about, Children of the Grave, is one of them. Where you just feel that it's the first time, maybe I'd heard it when I was a teenager or years ago, but, but this whole album is the first time I'd heard, it, heard the album and it felt like an old friend, kind of, you know, like I'd heard it, like it was my favorite album back in the day. Okay, so during the album's recording sessions, Osborne brought a large joint which caused the guitarist to cough uncontrollably. Iommi was recording the acoustic guitar parts at the time, and so his coughing fit was captured on tape. And that's how the album starts, is this coughing, like, <laughs> from, from an actual joint. So this fragment was, was, of coughing was added later to the intro of Sweet Leaf, a song that is an ode to marijuana. So all in one thing, you know, they, they got the sound of doom from the tuning, yeah. accidentally created doom metal. Then they, they created stoner metal by just smoking weed, literally in the studio, coughing, recording it, and then writing a song about, about weed. And, and uh, Tony s- says, quote, we all played Sweet Leaf while stoned. So this ode to, to, to weed was recorded while they were all stoned, which I think is a nice touch. M- almost all songs by all bands is recorded while stoned. But, right. but this just is more fitting. <laughs> And this was, what, 1971, and yeah, here we so, are 45 years later, and there's still some kid sitting in his garage right now going, like, dude, let's write a song about marijuana. Right. Or let's write a song, and they're just, just bleary-eyed and, and just all just stoned out of their gore. I wrote a song called Green Smoke. Green Smoke. Yeah, that's a pretty good name, actually. Gotta get that green smoke. It's a white reggae song, Green Smoke. Okay, and then here's a quote by, by uh, someone, some reviewer. To most, it is the quintessential stoner anthem, a point borne out by Sabbath's own Olympian consumption of hashish during their early days. 
So that's that's kind of interesting. I didn't, I don't know, I guess all bands are kind of stoner bands, like I said, but. So it's really good. It's what I find really interesting about early 70s rock albums is that, you know, you, you get nowadays, not even nowadays, like, I guess just being into punk as a teenager spoiled me. So you get Rancid, Let's Go. It has 24 songs on it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm really getting my album's worth. Yeah. Like, even as a, a kid, I was thinking, I'm getting my money's worth on this one. Yeah. But these, a lot of these Black Sabbath albums have six, seven songs. Two of the songs will be acoustic kind of short little ditties between the songs. But you still feel like you have a solid album. And, it's, and it would make sense why you could release an album every six months if it's only seven or eight songs. So I think this has seven songs on it. Each one's really great. It's a great record. It has a cool atmosphere. Really, all the detuning and Ozzy going higher, and it just just creates a really cool vibe, really cool sound. It I've, still sounds like Black Sabbath. I've only ever heard Paranoid, so... Oh, oh man, Black Sabbath are so good. Yeah. Every, and every time, every week when I'm, re- when I'm looking into these different bands, and I'll, I'll research their, their influences, that's always Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath. Were well, just, of course, yeah. I just didn't realize. I knew they were influential. I didn't realize how good they were. It's kind of been blowing my mind how amazing just this crew is. The whole band, just awesome. I just want to say that the opinions of Black Sabbath do not necessarily reflect those of World Champion Podcast or its uh, corporate owners. True. Yeah. You, or the Smogville World. I'm glad Fair. you threw that in. Yeah. There. The the recreational activities of Black Sabbath do not necessarily reflect. The recreational activities of the students of Degrassi Junior High. Last week I said it was kind of a weak one. I said it was maybe the, the least compelling episode I'd seen so far. Mm-hmm. Although the themes, of course, were very resonant. It just, didn't, it just wasn't that great. Well, I got good news because we're back on track. All right. Season 3, Episode 4, Season's Greetings. We're four episodes in, we're doing a Christmas episode. In addition to that, it's a bottle episode. Oh, okay. Do you know what a bottle episode is? I think so. That's one where they're trying to save money, so they have everyone inside indoors. Yeah, indoors on one set. There's no location, traveling, and it's just cheaper. Yeah. And it's a clip show. Oh my god! So, so it's kind of like the star, the great, the greatest Star Trek: The Next Generation episode of all time, where Riker's in a coma. Yeah, what's it called? It's called. I think it's called. No, it's not Riker's brain. Shades <laughs> of Grey. I think it's called. something dumb like that. But Riker's brain would have been just as good. Well, there's an episode called Spock's brain. That's why yeah. I thought of it. But it's. I think it's called Shades of Grey. I think that's right, and that's where there, there's like a one minute scene of people in the operating room going like, "I hope Riker pulls through." Mm-hmm. followed by clips of Riker's memories. And this was halfway through season two, so there's not that many clips to go I, by. I, I know, I know why, what, what happened, though. It, they, it was their first episode. One of the episodes was the introduction of the Borg, I think. And it blew their whole budget for yeah. the season. So they, it, That's exactly it. Is that yeah. what happened? Yeah. Yeah, and so they had to save money. So they did, which is really a shame that you couldn't just go to the studio or somebody... Because I get to, to get more money because it was the season finale. Was, oh, yeah, was, was the clip show. Yeah, and it is so bad. Yeah, well, it's so bad. If there's, uh... oh, it says it can be compared to Spock's brain in the original series, which I am not going to agree with because Spock's brain is an original story. I love Spock's brain. Do you know what the premise of that episode is? No. Someone removes Spock's brain, <laughs> okay. but then, but then they can. I don't know how, but they they. Oh, no, they remove Spock's brain, but then the Enterprise people create some kind of brain electrical thing they put on his head that makes it so they can control him like a remote control. So they're, oh, they're making Spock walk around and do stuff without a brain while they try to find his brain. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Okay, you sold. A lot of people say it's, it's one of the worst episodes of Star Trek. It, it's the big jump, the shark episode for Star yeah. Trek, the original series, but I do not agree. The third season is when it gets really good. That's the one that everyone... The third season no one likes. To me, it's when the show really gets interesting. Well, and th- those are the kind of people that just don't have a sense of humor about anything. Yeah. And can't appreciate... The campiness of are. it? Yeah. Because I, yeah. I was dying when Spock... When they, that's the mystery. Who stole his brain? His head's just See, empty. See, that's outstanding. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? 
Wow. So it's, I don't think it's comparable to the, that Riker. That Riker episode was just clips from other episodes. And then the, the framing stuff was so dumb. Yeah, he's in a coma, and they're just standing over him, right? Yeah. Does he just wake up at the end and pull through, and that's it? I don't remember. We talked about it on pizzapartypodcast.com. Yeah. Go look that up if you want. If you're listening to this, you probably already heard it. Yeah, it's true. So, um, and just by the way, if you want to watch along, I suggest finding the videos uploaded by the YouTube user Degrassi Old School. They're broken into three parts, but the other ones that are uploaded are in this weird, like, stretched out widescreen. Okay. Either way, the quality's terrible, and it's like watching TV without your glasses on. But you do what you got to do right. for free entertainment. So I'm shocked that it's Christmas already. Um, Yick walks in to Arthur in the lunchroom, and they're going to exchange presents. Remember, Arthur uh, got rich because his mom won the lottery. Okay. So Yick is, is like, here's your present. Arthur gives him this huge present. And Yick is like, well, this is so big. Mm. And he goes, but it's perfect for you. And he says, well, does big mean expensive? And he says, what is, what is money when you have the perfect present? Yick flips out. That's a pretty, both those answers were great answers. Perfect answers, yeah. Yick is losing it. Arthur says, Christmas has nothing to do with money. And Yick goes, well, that's easy for you to say you're rich. I don't care about your dumb present. Yick takes his present back and then goes and sits at the table in front of Arthur in such a way that we're able to film both of them at the same time while things are happening. Everyone's going through puberty. All of a sudden, they're like way older than they were. Are you talking were. real life? Yeah. They're, going, they're way older than they were in the previous episode. Their voices are cracking. So they're, this is the... They got uh, like long heads. It's the unnerving era for, for people. Yeah. And I swear in the episode after this, they're back to their normal selves. So I, I feel like this was filmed later. way later for some reason. Could be. Like the network demanded a Christmas episode, or I don't know. Even the new X-Files was, was shown out of order, I was reading about. Yeah. They, t- they did totally out of order from the sequence they filmed it. Even the sequence, kind of the, the subplots don't make sense. Yeah. On that, you know, how many episodes were yeah. there? There was like six episodes? Just six episodes. If you, if you pay attention to the, the subplot of... of uh, What's her name? God, my brain's Scully's uh, baby. Oh yeah, like it's it's like no mention of or it's it's like the first episode's totally about it. Yeah, the next one is nothing. The third one, she's like upset and they're like upset about it, and then the yeah. next one, they're crying about it and holding hands. It's super weird. Yeah, you're right. It's and so it could have been that they could have filmed the whole season. This was filmed right at the end. Yeah, you know, nine months later, or it's a contract. Like you have to have X amount of episodes, and they're like, well, we're out of money. Right. So let's do this clip show thing. Um, so we introduce a new character, which is Arthur's weird cousin, who looks just like a Cabbage Patch Kid. But of course, as with the show, we're acting like she's been there the whole time. She's reminding Yick and Arthur of all the good times they've had together. Okay. So that's her. So it's establishing the, the like, oh, this character's always been here. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, and she's like, but what about the time you guys met and hit it off? And then flashbacks. Oh, no. And flashbacks to when they tried to watch the porno swamp sex robots. Oh, nice. Flashbacks to when Arthur started having wet dreams. <laughs> what? How oh, does yeah. she know about that? I, Why I, is she bringing no, that think, up? I think she's saying vague things, and then it's in their heads. Oh. Because they're both sitting, like I said, where they're both framed in the same shot. And she's like... But you guys have been friends through thick and thin. So wait a minute, wait a minute. So there are uh, two separate tables with her between them? She's talking on, to she's both of them. She's on the third level. And she's talking to both of them from far away? Yeah, and they're just kind of like, ugh. And reminding them about their friendship in vague terms. Yeah. But enough that they, they remember really personal stories. Yes. Okay, got it. <laughs> got it. Um, now, I thought we were introducing a new character, Luella, but looking it up on the Degrassi wiki, she's been around. She's the janitor mm-hmm. who's um, just, like, covered in grime, because that's what janitors are like. They're just covered just in oil. like they just cl- climbed out of the sewer. Yeah, and she has a cool, actually really modern-looking haircut, oh. like that sort of, like, girl's cut where it's, like, shaved on the side. And Really? Uh, yeah, and she calls Joey Jeremiah goofball. Um, it's too hot. And he says, when is the furnace going to be fixed? And she says, well, that part I ordered, you know, a year ago still hasn't come in yet. That's foreshadowing. I don't want to spoil, <laughs> but I kind of know some things that happen in the future. The furnace being broken is foreshadowing. Oh, that's scary. So, yeah. So put that in your pocket. Okay. Uh, at the end, she comes out and Joey says, 
Luella fixed the furnace, and everyone cheers. And then Joey says, not bad for a woman, and everybody boos. Um, we as, ha- as they should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, and I think she's been on the show before, too, but I, I didn't remember a uh, Jewish girl in a wheelchair named Maya Goldberg. Okay. And Kathleen, who I've talked about, is just the worst, just the beady-eyed, angry, mm-hmm. snobby person. And she's like, so what are you going to do for Christmas? And Maya says, Jews don't celebrate Christmas. We have Hanukkah. And Kathleen goes, what's Hanukkah? Mm-hmm. Which seems odd that someone would make it to junior high and have never heard of Hanukkah. And this is Canada. I guess. I mean, they're very racially diverse. I was hoping you wouldn't say anything. Canada. I was hoping that would just be enough and you would continue. Yeah. I was bluffing there. I was kind of sweating. Um, Spike leaves. No one knows where she is. And she comes back with baby Emma. Oh, is this the first time the baby, baby's this been shown? first time we've seen the baby. The first appearance of a character who will be on Degrassi The Next Generation interacting with Drake. No way. Yeah. The same human being? No, I wish. Oh. Yeah, I was like, oh, please tell me it's the same baby actor that grew up. Yeah, but that no, would the be same amazing. Character. Okay. Um, everyone's really excited to see the baby. Shane, the father of the baby, has never met the baby. So he finally works up the nerve to go, and he's like, hey, I give you half my allowance every week. Can I maybe hold my own daughter? <laughs> and Spike's like, bleh. And then finally, like, okay, fine. Half my allowance. Yeah, he gives her half his allowance. It's like 10 bucks a week. 10 to, bucks a week? To raise a child. That ought to cover it. Yeah. To help a 14-year-old raise a child. Mm-hmm. So that was a nice moment. Um, finally, Yick and Arthur make up. Yick gave Arthur a calculator so he could calculate all his money. What a petty little shit. Uh Really? (laughs) Yeah. So then Yick opens his present that he just assumed was very expensive. Uh And it's just some weird strappy thing. And it's a set of chums to hold his glasses on. What? Yeah, he's like, what is this? And he's like, you put on your glasses so you don't have to push your glasses up all the time. Why was that in a giant package, though? Just a fun little trick. Oh, it was a trick? Yeah. And he and Yick goes, what did this cost you? Three dollars. So what is and Arthur's what like, is yeah. Yick's deal exactly? Like, what is he uh, upset about aside from just being jealous? He's always been uh, really upset about how poor he is. Okay, so he this, is, he's this a is refugee. An issue he has okay. Yeah, he's a refugee, and um, that was one of the flashbacks. Is he? They were like, it was show and tell. He's like, I don't have anything to show because I'm poor. I'm like, well, tell us about being a refugee. He's like, nobody cares about that. And then tells this amazing story about being on a boat and Mm -hmm. running out of food and all this stuff. So Yick's just a little angry. But he got a a set of $3 chums. Calculator cost $14.95. Exactly. So that is that episode. Back next week with another, another one of those, another metal episode. Our email is worldchampionpodcast at gmail.com. Jason Bearstein writes in. We talked about kidney stones and soda pop last week. Jason is the Cobra Commander avatar guy. Okay. I got my first kidney stone the summer between 10th and 11th grade. I get them every other summer since. So he just loves summertime. He's always looking forward to summertime. So year without a summer is his kind of year. Yeah, so that 1820, man, too bad you weren't there. You missed out. Uh, It's basically like Sean described. You're in incredible pain. You can't get comfortable. Time passes slowly and you start vomiting. Sometimes the pain is so bad you have to just run around because it's so hard to sit still. Uh, I used to get really small ones, but as I've gotten older, they've gotten bigger. <laughs> he's, uh, I won't say, but he's about our age. So that's promising. Mm-hmm. 2013, I had a 7 millimeter stone. The urologist told me I would not be able to pass it. But I also didn't want to have the procedure to get it out, which sounded as bad as having the stone. Look, I don't know what the procedure is. It can't be good. Well, There's they, no way it's good. I think there's two procedures. They have, they have some infrasound. They have some kind of like sonic thing that breaks it up, which if you're thinking about that, that probably messes everything up. If it's, if it's shattering a little piece of, of like rock, oh, what's yeah. it doing to your squishy kidneys and stuff? Oh, no. And then the other option is to cut you open and cut the ureter and just remove it. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll just have one kidney. Uh, but a few months later, it did come out on his own. Uh, boy, that's awful. I, yeah. I need to step my game up. And you've never had one, right? No. So what do I do? Cranberry juice? Just drink yeah. cranberry juice yeah, all yeah. the time. Or just water. Lots of water. I, I th- can do that. I think it's, I don't know what causes it because 
all the the list of foods they told me to avoid when I passed mine and they analyzed it were things I didn't eat anyway. Oh. So I was like, well, this was definitely caused by all the radishes you've been eating. <laughs> I was like, huh, radishes, huh? Need you to avoid radishes and glass. No, it was it was a list of all kinds of stuff that I never ate. Oh, man. I thought, well, this is not that helpful. I think I tend to eat and drink really acidic things. Maybe that helps? I think I didn't drink a lot of water back then. Yeah. I think that's the big secret way to fight it. Or maybe not. Maybe you just try to avoid summer. I think that's it. Avoid summer, at least every other summer. Yeah. So Kevin Dully writes in. I don't know if we're ready for this one. We're not ready? I don't know if we're ready. I don't know if we'll ever. I don't know. Maybe next week. Okay. Are we ready? It's, it's pretty uh, acidic, as I was just saying. No, nah, we, we don't want to cause kidney stones in our own bodies. Let's, save this. Let's save this for next week. Yeah, it's good. provocative. Okay. And that is Kevin D. that writes this one. All right. Not Kevin T. Not Kevin T. Okay. Yeah, it's D as in Dancy, not T as in Tansy. Um, hmm. It's really something. We'll save it for next week. All right. World Champion Podcast at gmail.com. World Champion Pod on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Twitter, Smogville Fair. Leave us a review on iTunes. I have no idea if we're available on Android, so please tell us if you're listening on an Android. Yeah. I don't know anyone with an Android. Yeah, you know me. But you don't listen to our show. (laughs) You got me. (laughs) 